Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we're going to bring you the story of Noah Beauchamp. And I look forward to hearing about this. So we'll get to the episode. Welcome back to another bartending round with Sloan. Today we are going to talk about one of my favorite rappers, Lil Wayne. And before I get into what that has to do with bartending, if you are a 2000s baby like we are, you know the hold that Lil Wayne and Young Money had on us back in the day. Uh Like, anyways, so as soon as we heard that Lil Wayne was coming out with rums, we were like right on it <laughs> and where i work actually did a tasting for them and they are all so good i've only tried the rum cream because that's what trish brought home for us <laughs> like she bought the um, bottle because it they're amazing. expensive well yeah it is a little expensive at least here and they're fucking amazing the rum cream i could literally throw in my coffee and call it a day the rum cream I have tossed into a cup with ice and sipped on it like the yes. moonshine sippers that you know we love. So we got the bamboo room room the bamboo <laughs> rum cream and it is delicious like we said on its own but today I'm making a cocktail with it. I don't really have a name for it so that's why I wanted to address like Lil Wayne's rum because first and foremost I still have a free wheezy shirt. Like, it is tattered and everything. It's from 2010, and I still wear it. But I'm telling you, like, Lil Wayne is my man. I will forever hold on and, like, defend him as my favorite rapper. Do I say, like, the current days Lil Wayne? No. (laughs) I'm talking about, like, Lollipop Lil Wayne. That's the Lil Wayne that I defend. So, anyways. So, like I said, she brought this home. I really wanted to make a cocktail with it. So what I did was I took 1.25 ounces of screwball peanut butter whiskey. I mixed it with one ounce of the bamboo. And then for a little extra fall spice spooky season flavor, I put 0.25 ounces of fireball. You could definitely omit this because the rum cream on its own has a little bit of the like spicy not spicy, but like, you know, pumpkin spice spicy. Yeah. If you've had um rum chata. Yes. It's very similar to that, but not as heavily spiced. Right. It's a lot smoother. Yes. But it still does have a little afterkick to it. So for that reason, I did add a little bit of fireball to mine today, but it would have been just as great without it. So pour this bamboo over ice, mix it with some screwball, mix it with milk if you want to, just to like make it a little bit less alcoholic. However you decide to enjoy this, I'm sure you will absolutely enjoy Lil Wayne's Bamboo. Lil Wayne, if you want to sponsor us, (laughs) tequila she wrote at gmail.com or my number. No, I can't get my number on. 
can't get my number on the podcast, but if you DM us, I will give you my number, Lil Wayne. <laughs> and on that note, we'll head out to the episode. Enjoy. Welcome back to our case. And today's case, I don't think it's going to be a super long one just because it's one of those old-timey murders. So it's one that there's a little bit of info, but it's like very minimal and you have to really work to find a lot. But as we said, this is the story of Noah Beauchamp. I think that's how it's said. It's either like Beauchamp or Beauchamp. I don't know. But for this case, let's travel back in time to the 1840s. So, way way long ago. (laughs) Today's case is one of those old-time murders, like I said. And Noah Beauchamp was born February 24th, 1785 in Maryland. His parents were Thomas and Sarah Adams Beauchamp. Noah was described as being over six feet tall, burly, and had a ruddy complexion. It was also said he was quick to anger, which is a nice way of saying he had a temper. Uh, The article I found said that when Noah was young, he had an argument with his father over the morality of slavery. Being a devout Baptist, he was against it, and his father was for slavery. So he did, he may have had a temper, but he had some good morality. His father owned slaves, and it is believed that Noah was disowned since after this argument, he quickly left for Kentucky, then for Ohio. Uh, When in Ohio, it's This is believed to be when he met his wife, Elizabeth Adams. Uh, They went on and got married, and their first child, Noah Beauchamp Jr., was born in Cincinnati on November 29th, 1804. And they would go on to actually have nine children. No thank you. My grandmother had, I think, 13, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. and my mom had five, technically, and I'm just like, nope, I don't even think I'm having one. (laughs) Uh, By 1811, Noah and his family moved to Cornersville Township, which is around the Fayette County, Indiana area. He set up a blacksmith shop, and from 1812 to 1820, he lived on a track of land he had purchased before moving to Edgar County, Illinois. And in the 1830s, he relocated again to Indiana, and this time he settled in Vigo County. Now... So now that we know a little about Noah, let's move on to the crime. In Sugar Creek Township was one of his neighbors, the Mickleberry family. Noah and George Mickleberry got into a dispute over property boundaries. 
This caused a tension between the families, but that tension wasn't bad enough to stop Mrs. Mickleberry from hiring Noah's daughters to knit. Uh, in July of 1840, after one of the knitting jobs, a major dispute happened between the women. The Mickleberry children were spreading rumors that the Bochamp, uh, Bochamp, sorry, I don't know where that came from, but the Mickleberry children were spreading rumors that the Bochamp children stole leftover wool. Noah heard the accusations, and being the short-tempered guy that he was, obviously he got angry. And he was angry that someone would accuse his daughters of doing such things. Because you gotta remember, this is back when, really, like, your reputation and your name was, like, everything. So, Noah decided he was going to confront George and stop his family from making any more statements about his daughters. There goes that temper again. <laughs> On the way to the Mickleberries, Noah stopped in a clearing and asked God for guidance. Well, the only thing about that clearing... It had been used for... Um, basically preparing meat, and a large butcher's knife was left on a stump. So after he prayed, Noah decided he was going to take the knife with him. He claims it was in case any of the Mickleberry farmhands were around and would give him trouble. When Noah arrived, he knocked on the door and only George answered the door. Now, the article doesn't say if there was really, like, a build-up or what, but it does say that while he was standing in the doorway, Noah was very angry and started berating George, and that one of George's daughters was, like, kind of in the background and heard him, like, basically yelling at George. And, yeah, she was in the living room, and she started to basically backtalk Noah. So obviously, Noah being the short-tempered guy he is, didn't uh, enjoy the backtalking. So he became enraged and, according to the article, yelled at the daughter, If you was a man, I'd cut you into laces. And that's when he pulled out the knife. George tried to calm the situation by placing his hand on Noah's shoulder, and out of reflex, Noah plunged the knife into George's chest. His breastbone cracked and at the force, and he died almost instantly. Noah panicked and ran for, like, not ran for, Noah panicked and ran from the house toward Wabash River. When he reached the river, he stole a rowboat and used the river to escape. Word got out that Noah killed George, and the manhunt started to find Noah, who was nowhere to be found. George's family was heartbroken over the loss and buried George. Meanwhile, Noah escaped to Texas, where he borrowed money to open a blacksmith shop. Noah owed a lot of money, because basically, like, say, he borrowed all this money, so 
One of the sons of the men he owed money to saw a wanted poster from a traveler that had posted it in April of 1841, and this wanted poster was for Noah. Noah, being, you know, the brilliant man he was, didn't bother to change his name when he ran away to Texas and started his new life. He kept his same exact name. (laughs) man. <laughs> so it wasn't long before the lender's son and another man wanted to claim the $500 reward for him, which $500 back then would be about $17,000 today. Not huge, but I mean, I would I be don't happy. even have $500 today. Right. I'd be happy with the uh, with, uh, 17000 So, Noah was apprehended, and the two men went to the river to ship Noah back to Indiana. Before they could make it to the river, Noah broke free and overpowered the men, and he made a run for it, but was soon recaptured. Once on the boat, on his way back to Indiana, Noah was locked in a cabin. Unknowingly to his captors, he had fashioned a noose out of a bedsheet and tried to hang himself, but just in the nick of time... Someone came to check on Noah and stopped him from killing himself. Once back in Vigo County, a trial began. Noah's lawyer did get the trial moved to Park County because the case was so well known, but it did nothing to save Noah. After a lengthy trial, Noah was sentenced to death on September 8, 1842. The gallows were constructed in Rockville, Indiana. On December 30th, 1842, Noah's old friend and minister, Reverend Newport, delivered a sermon right outside Noah's jail cell window so he could hear it. Noah had his last meal and said his goodbyes to his family and friends. Noah was then taken to the gallows where a large gathering of people from Vigo were. He was asked if he had any last words, to which he replied, goodbye. A man of few words, very short, sweet, to the point. He was then hanged, making him the first person to be hanged in Park County. Now, there is a small bit of irony to, like, this story, because back in the 1820s, almost the exact same story happened to another Beauchamp. And this was Jer... I think it's Jeroboam. I don't know, it's one of those, like, old-timey names that we will probably never see again. (laughs) But Jeroboam Beauchamp. He, too, stabbed a man in his own doorway, but this time it was over a woman's honor. He, too, fled and was brought back to where he had committed the crime for his trial, and on the way back he also tried to kill himself but was saved at the last minute. He was tried and hanged, and his case is known as the Beauchamp Sharp Tragedy. Which I did see and I almost covered, but I was like, there's really not that much. And then I found this one. I was like, well, ain't that something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Jeroboam was actually Noah's cousin. So, it's safe to say that uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And it's crazy just how much history kind of repeats itself. 
And kind of another little ironic twist is that Noah is also a direct descendant of Quaker Ambrose Dixon. And if you don't know, like, Quakers, they're usually very, like, peaceful people. They don't really believe in, like, slavery, and they don't, like, really believe in killing other people, stuff like that. It's just, so it's just kind of funny that someone who's a direct descendant of a Quaker turned out like this. Turned out like this, but not only that, like, if his cousin, like, him and Jeroboam are cousins, that means the cousin somehow descended. So it's like, yeah, two people that turned out this way. I also, like, basically have the same story. Mm-hmm. But that is my case. Like I said, I didn't think it was going to be a super long one, but I thought it was a kind of fun, somewhat mm-hmm. lighthearted. And it was just, like... It, when I was, like, kind of reading it and that, and it got to the uh, Jeroboam part, I went, I almost covered this. And I thought about maybe doing both, like, at the same thing, but I was like, it's literally the same case. You just yeah. changed the situation. But it was just so funny. I was like, well, ain't that something? That's your cousins, and you have basically the same exact story. You have your return back was like the same thing you were captured you almost got away and then you recaptured and then you almost tried to kill yourself but you were caught at the last minute and then you were tried and guess what they killed you <laughs> just funny how things work <laughs> but that's my case short sweet simple if you enjoy these little like fun old-timey ones maybe we'll look into doing a few more like I said, it's just, they're fun to do, but it's very hard to get a lot of information. But we're still getting better at researching, too. So, like, that's definitely something that I, it, it takes a lot of talent to research old cases. Yes. But also, like I said, some of these things, like, especially this one, it's like, they're going off of, like, journals and mm-hmm. court documents and stuff, like, to the best of their ability that they're still able to have. So ones that are far back like this, it's very hard to find stuff, but like definitely ones that are like kind of, I'd say once you get to like the early 1900s, that's when you can usually find a little bit more. Yes. You have to dig for it, but, mm-hmm. but like I said, that's my case. I guess we will kick you off to the last call. All right, we have another last call with Sloan. Today, I'm already regretting my last call because (laughs) this is more of Trisha's avenue and she's going to make me do these things and I don't want to, but also it's spooky season. So we're going to talk about nine haunted places in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, I think I've looked this up before and yes, there are some places I definitely want to go. Yes, and if you don't know, we do, well, Trish does a haunted segment on our Patreon, so, like, maybe we'll go into more detail about these over there eventually, but uh, just just in time for spooky season, and we live in Mobile, so I thought this would be fun. So, first is the Battle House Renaissance Hotel. While the Battle House was being renovated into the luxurious hotel it is today, construction crews noticed their tools mysteriously disappearing. 
Also, all of the work they did disappeared as if nothing was ever done. Several guests and staff members have reported seeing strange things occur inside the hotel, including faucets and lights turning on and off by themselves. Also, there's a ghost that's been known to crash weddings in the hotel's ballroom. I feel like I would get along with a wedding crasher. <laughs> Bring it on. Let's take some shots of tequila together and go crash the wedding. Let's do it. Two, Fort Con Inn, built in 1836, the historic inn is Mobile's second oldest home, in addition to it being one of the city's most haunted places. Many guests and staff members have reported the sounds of clawing near the floor. Some have even witnessed furniture moving on its own. <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about the clawing. I was about to say I will um, sit in the car <laughs> with the engine running, ready Furn to leave. Furniture moving, I'm fine with. Clawing, not so much. I want to see a ghost cat or dog to go with the clawing. Yes. <laughs> Number three, the US USS Alabama. I have been there multiple times. I've never done, like, their late night stuff. But. I didn't even know that they had late night stuff, so I think that might be something Nate would maybe be interested in. You usually have to pay a lot, and it's usually, like, some sort of sleepover thing that they uh, have nope. a minimum of, like, amount of people you can have. Nope. Nope. I went one time for the daytime tour, and I was bored out of my ever-loving mind. It's not for me. But the USS Alabama BB-60 was the sixth ship of the U.S. Navy. Aboard this historic battleship, several people have reported hearing ghostly footsteps, strange voices, and the slamming of hatches. Yep. Mm. I'm going to butcher this one. Number four, the Malaga, Malaga Mal mm -hmm. Inn was built in 1862 as two separate buildings. After they were connected and formed the inn, several people have witnessed the appari apparition of a lady pacing the balcony outside of room 007. Inside the inn, many guests have reported seeing chandeliers swinging on their own and lights coming on and going off. I feel like that's downtown. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Is it that one or is it? Maybe it is. Like, I think this is... I think I know where that is. Yeah. Five, Bragg Mitchell Mansion. The Bragg Mitchell Mansion is one of the most photographed buildings in Mobile, and it's also one of the city's most haunted locations. Today, this historic mansion is used as a museum and event venue. The most popular haunting that supposedly takes place here is the Lady of the Mansion, along with her phantom feline. The ghost cat has scared visitors ever since the 1970s. In addition to the lady of the mansion and her phantom feline, several people have also reported seeing Judge Bragg, who happens to be the mansion's original owner. I'd go make friends with the ghost cat. I was about to say, I, I would be willing to go meet the ghost cat with you. <laughs> I would go there. Number six, Richard's D.A.R. D -A -R house. Built in 1860, the historic house is currently being used as a museum. Many visitors have reported the sounds of children's laughter, ew, no, as well as a ghostly figure in the upstairs bedroom window. Several people believe the ghosts are Captain Richards, the original owner of the house, his wife, and their children. Okay, but why are the children still children? Because it's creepy. And I don't want to go. You don't age. 
But that's what I'm saying. Like, did they all die in the house? At the, it's like, very possible. At one point, I need to find out the story on that. That's your next haunt. <laughs> I need to know more on why the children are still children. Did Yes. <laughs> Number seven. Kate Shepherd House Bed and Breakfast. At the historic house Bed and B&B, which was built in 1897, an apparition of an elderly lady is often seen roaming the halls and appearing in guest room late at night. Several guests have even reported feeling a strange presence during the day. I would drop kick that. <laughs> be like, take that frog out. <laughs> Wake up to somebody at the end of the bed. <laughs> Not in this house. <sighs> and the uh, number eight, Boynton Oak Church Street Graveyard. In the Church Street graveyard, there's an oak tree growing from the grave belonging to a man named Charles Boyington. According to local legend, Mr. Boyington was executed for a crime he did not commit. The moment he realized his life was about to be over, he let everyone know that an oak tree would grow from his grave to prove he was innocent, and that it did. Interestingly, many people have heard strange, strange noises coming from this tree. <laughs> <laughs> I already am, like, I don't know why I really don't like graveyards. They, like, <sighs> graveyards creep me out. Yeah. I don't know if it's Hospitals just creep me out. Being, hospitals, I'm, some, I'm kind of fine. But, like, graveyards, I don't know if I'm just, like, overthinking it, if I'm overly sensitive to the fact that, you know, <laughs> you gotta think about it. It's a place where you take dead people and bury them. Mm -hmm. Somebody's gotta just be roaming around there. Yeah. So, I don't know if I'm just overly sensitive to, like, all the different ghosts roaming around. Or if I'm just, like, overthinking about the fact that there's a bunch of dead people. And, yes, the graves are marked. But, like, you gotta usually, like, walk over some people to get to where you're going. And I don't like that. <laughs> And the last one for today is Oakley, which was built in 1833 and is supposedly haunted by a female ghost. Many guests have actually spotted her roaming throughout the house and spending time in the parlor. Several other ghostly figures have been spotted throughout the home in addition to the sounds of strange voices. So one, did you notice that a lot of these ghosts are females? Do you think it's because they weren't listened to in their lifetime? So it's they've come possible. back. <laughs> they've come back in the afterlife to make sure that we listen to them. So maybe we should listen to the women in our lives. I don't know. Crazy fucking thought. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy thought. And then my other tie up here is I need for all of y'all to tell Trish that we need to know more about Richard's D.A.R. house. <laughs> I want a full haunted episode on this one. So See send in the votes to tequila. She wrote at gmail.com. See what I can find. And you you can subscribe at patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote to actually listen to that one whenever she does get it done. <laughs> oh my. Vote for me, peeps. But that was our case today and our last call. We hope you enjoyed this wild ride on the Hot Mess Express. Like I said, you can email us tequila she wrote at gmail.com, patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. You can subscribe for as little as $2 a month. And from there, it kind of goes up and you get more from the more you pay. You can also check out our socials. They're all tequila she wrote. We got 
a little bit of everything over there. Um, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. And then if you are struggling to find Patreon by doing patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, you can go on our socials. We have our link tree and it should have a direct link that you just click on and it sends you there. But we're going to go be spooky mermaids and go swimming. Yep. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>